This is the Educational Triage Podcast. Welcome. This week's special guest is Jennifer Achari. And Jennifer is the deputy principal of an alternative education school in Perth, Western Australia. She has a background of diverse educational experience, having taught students from all age groups, primarily teaching students from culturally and linguistically diverse backgrounds and those within an alternative education setting. Jennifer has a strong desire to help students with complex trauma backgrounds with a specific passion for trauma-informed alternative education. She is currently pursuing a PhD in this field through Queensland University of Technology under Dr. Judith Howard. In addition to researching trauma-informed practices in alternative education, she also writes about this topic for peer-reviewed journals and speaks at national and international conferences. Jennifer is also a sessional academic who lectures university students enrolled in teaching programs specializing in behavior and well-being for trauma-aware education. The Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration describes individual trauma as resulting from an event, series of events, or a set of circumstances that is experienced by an individual as physically or emotionally harmful or life-threatening and that has lasting adverse effects on the individual's functioning in mental, physical, social, emotional, or spiritual well-being. Last week, we ended a little abruptly, but we had to find a really good spot in order to end it so that you had time to ingest everything that we're learning. This week we finish our discussion and it's not completely finished because this is always an ongoing discussion and we're always learning more. So we're going to pick it back up and let's get the ball rolling. What's that phrase that thoughts become words, mm. words become actions? I don't know. No, I mean... <laughs> I don't think I'm saying it correctly. But there's something along the lines of what you think, if you think about something long enough mm. and you start saying them and you say them enough times, then they become your actions. Yes. So, and then that becomes more of what you do. Yeah. I'm a big believer in affirmations, saying affirmations out loud. And I only, it, it's funny because I only got into that when I started working in alternative education. Because alternative really? education, yes. <laughs> so when I started working in alternative education, I started working at this school that is quite infamous in my area for the riots. There were riots, it made national news, um, teachers were sent to hospital. It was, it was quite bad. It was, wow. it was a really, really... Um, yeah, negative, toxic place to work. And so every day I'd be like, oh, do I really want to, do I really want to be here? My husband would be like, just quit, man. Like, this is unsafe. It's unsafe for you to go to work. You don't know if you're going to get attacked when you go to work. And I'm like, but I need, I need to go. I need to help. I need to bring, you know, this positive energy. And so every day I'd wake up and I started getting um, these affirmations. I got this app on my phone. And so it would come every hour. I put it on from eight to four when I was at work. 
it pop up every hour and I would read my affirmation out loud if I was in the office or in the classroom. And so everyone kind of knew me as this affirmation person. And I was just like reading all these affirmations out and it really changed my mindset. And obviously getting that, doing these affirmations. And then, and then it spurred me on to getting a PhD because I was like, I can change. I can have, I, I can help be the change, be the change you wish, you wish to see. Right. So if I'm in this place and it's negative and it's toxic, I need to be positive. I want it to be a positive environment, mm-hmm. so I need to be positive. I want alternative education to be trauma-informed, to be powerful. I need to do my PhD in that. I need to be the change that I want to see. And I think that that's really important um, to know that because you can have a ripple effect on people. And and if we don't believe that, then what are we really doing? We can have a powerful impact on other people. That's the whole thing. We are being this way. They are being that way. Our being affects each other's beings through connection, through relationship, relationships number two, that's important. And we need to have those connections. We need to build those connections. Did the students participate in your affirmations or were they, when they popped up? Sometimes, yeah. I mean, yeah, when they popped up and I'd read it and they'd be like, oh, that's nice. And I'm like, "Mm, yeah, it is. And people just kind of say, that's nice, you know, but it's just, it's part of that, you know, and then they'd be like, oh yeah, I I," like, they kind of knew about affirmations. And I was like, it's really important you know, to say things like to, to change your life, to things pop up and they're positive. Cause even I know years ago when I was learning about different types of therapies and stuff in my minor in psychology that I did so many years ago, um, we learned, like, like I said, positive psychology, but also like just changing your, your scripts and stuff. So if you think if you're ugly and you're depressed or you think you're ugly, sorry, you're not ugly, but if you think you're ugly and you're depressed and you're like, I'm gross, I'm stupid. I'm ugly. And you constantly say these things. Of course, that's what you believe. So if you say, if you think that, then the the thing that you have to do is just say the opposite of that. You think that you're stupid. You say, I'm smart. I am smart. I am beautiful. I am funny. I am confident. Even though you don't actually believe it, your mind will actually start to believe it. The more you say it, your mind will start to believe it. That's just positive psychology mm-hmm. for you. And so that can be brought into the classroom. So I use that. I, I mean, I personally do use that. I think there's, there's a whole um, the, there's a whole research field of positive psychology with trauma informed practice as well because there is a lot of that in in it where it has to be positive you have to bring positive mindset the growth mindset not a fixed mindset all that kind of thing it all intertwines together it's all relevant it's all important oh definitely so finishing your story is that mm-hmm. the school that you run now no no oh. I moved to a different school no I moved to a different school oh so. Yes, I I left that school. I stayed for a while. I I did a run a whole positive behavior support program. I had a lot of hope for things to change. They got a whole new management team in, and I had lots of hope. And then, at some point, you just have to say, you know what? You're you're I can I'm not in that. I wasn't in management there. I wasn't in management. And so mm-hmm. I was like, there's only so much that I can do in my small little sphere of influence. Then this school brought me over. I became a coordinator and now the deputy principal. And so they moved me up and they saw that they, they wanted the trauma-informed stuff. They want the positive stuff. They want it and they want it for the school. And they fully believe it. They fully back it. And that's where I know that I can make the most influence is if my being is connecting to your being and we're understanding the same things and we, we're all working together for the best outcome for these students. And so I feel quite good at, at being at my school that I'm at now. Excellent. 
Mm. Excellent. I, I just thought that maybe there was going to be a Mary Poppins moment that. No, I wish. They all broke <laughs> out into so song and danced oh. and with these positive affirmations and they all, yeah. No, 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 no. The students, the students were lovely. Everything like it was quite, it was quite good. The students were were on board in my classroom. I had the sphere of influence within my classroom, but mm-hmm. I knew that I could have a more powerful influence if I got into management. That school was just already in their mindset of what they wanted, which was fine. This school was like, yes, we want positivity. Yes, we want trauma informed practice. So they brought me over and they moved me up really quickly. And they were like, yep, bring it, teach us. And I'm like, excellent. So wow. That now. Mm. Wonderful. Yes. Okay. So what strategies would you say work best when you're working with staff who do a lot of the talking, but they can't Mm. do the walking? (laughs) I think this is the best way to do it. Um, They say, yeah, we're working with trauma-informed, but then let's say a kid talks back to them. And they want to put that kid in their place right then and there, publicly humiliate them. But it has nothing to do with the trauma. It has, or figuring out uh. what the circumstances are. It is, I am the person in charge here. You will do as I tell you to do, uh. which sort of eliminates any kind of good work that maybe you have. I so, think, yeah, I, they, I see what you're saying. Yeah. And they're not able to participate in the strategies because it doesn't make sense to them because they themselves, let's just say that they're in a fixed mindset because they are terrified Mm. because, well, in the Tao of leadership, it says the art of letting go. When you let go of control, you end Mm. up with far more control. Correct. Correct. And I think, so the thing is, because I'm a leader of a site, I, I have a lot of influence of how the site is run. So mm-hmm. my thing is, we're all on the same page. We all have the same thing. If you feel like you want to have this power and control over students, I'm going to call you out on that and say, nope, that's not what we do. Nope, can't do that. If they trigger you in that way, you need to tap out. So there's something called a tap in, tap out system. That's a trauma-informed practice, where if you're going to get triggered, if this student's going to be angry, sometimes not sometimes, we definitely always will have at least one student who will just push our button in that way and will just trigger us. Do you know what I mean? And so you need Mm -hmm. to know who that student is when you're starting to get heightened and you just tap out and you say, nope, this is not for me to handle. I'm going to tap somebody else on the shoulder. You go in and you can respond to that student. Maybe take them out for a walk, do something, calm them down, strategize with them. And it's funny that in in my school we all have different students that push our buttons in different ways and it's not the same type of student do you know what I mean because Mm -hmm. it's just it's just going to be um they're just going to be different for whatever reason there's different students who trigger your trauma the main thing for me is that all of my staff members should not have a power trip mindset I'm in charge I'm the boss. No, 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 no. And I think it's very clear at this school, the school that I'm at now, is that no, we do, nobody has that. I'm, I'm the boss. I'm in charge. I, whatever I say goes. You need to listen to me. No, that's not how it is because we're all here for the students. And I love the motto of, of my school, my current school. The motto is the possibilities are endless. The possibilities are endless. There's so much hope for these students. There's so much hope for what we give these students. And I think that that's really important. And so when we're hiring staff and we're, they're coming in, 
We, they have to have that in the back of their head is I'm here for these students. I'm here to help them in the best way that I know how. And if you don't know how, we will teach you how. But teaching you how has nothing to do with you having a power trip in the classroom and saying, I'm in charge. You need to do this. I'm going to put you in your place and belittle you in front of people. Nope, never going to happen. That should not happen. And if that does happen, I would pull that, that staff member out and having a very serious conversation because that stuff is not on. Because they would probably have to do a public apology in order to make up for what they just did, because what they did was yep. an incredible amount of damage. Yeah, 100%. And, and on that public apology, I think that's really good to, to note that there has been times where I, I'm, I get heightened and I've had outbursts in front of students, not like terrible. I've never sworn at a student or been like extremely rude, but I'll do something and I'll be like, Ugh, and I'll just have this outburst of frustration or something in front of students. Like, it'll just be like, oh, like whatever, you know, you just kind of say like, whatever, you know, blah, 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 whatever you say, right? That's so annoying. You just kind of have this little moment and students kind of look at you like, oh, wow, like you're the calm Zen one. What's going on? You know what I mean? But then later I'll go back and I'll say, okay, I said this when we were, when we were all getting on the bus and everybody was having this, this moment. Cause I remember this one time and, and everyone's kind of like talking and, and, I don't want to say fighting, but nitpicking with each other. And I was just like, everybody just get on the bus. And I just kind of had this outburst. <laughs> and they kind of just looked at me like, what, what's going on? Like, Jen never yells at us. What, what's happening, you know? And and I just kind of was like, and then they all just got on the bus. And I was just like, oh, and I was driving the bus. And as I'm driving, you know, what student was like, it's okay, miss. It's okay. And I was just like, no, I feel really bad. I definitely shouldn't have done that. They're like, they're like, girl, everyone, everyone yells at people. It's just, it's just what happens. But I was like, no, it's not on. I can't do that. So I went around to each student individually. There was about 10 students that were on this bus because it was a minibus. And I went around. I was like, how did you feel when I yelled? I really didn't mean to. It just kind of came out. And they're like, no, it just means you're human, man. We all do it. We all do it. But I went around to each and every one of them. And I made sure that I apologized, that they knew that I didn't mean that I didn't mean to do that. It was just my reaction and that I felt bad. And everybody, the restorative practice that was in that was showing them that even I, as their leader, have outbursts as well. Mm -hmm. But I'm willing to say sorry, and I'm willing to say that that's not okay, and that I hope that they can forgive me. And they were all super, super amazing with it. And I think that that's important as well, is that when we have those moments, we have that time, we do apologize and we are the bigger person. We say, you know what, that's not okay. And I hope that that you know that that I didn't mean to do it that way and that um, I'm sorry and all that kind of stuff. And they really, really, really respect you more when you do that. Mm -hmm. No, definitely. Yeah. Definitely, because it shows some, It first of all, it's modeling to them. Yeah. about having strength and courage in order to do something like that mm -hmm. and to have the humility to do that. Yeah. Absolutely. So um, because you are very vulnerable and for yeah. a lot of kids being vulnerable is the antithesis of where they're coming from. They can't be vulnerable. They have to be strong because they're made to feel like tiny little zits yeah. on a huge face um yeah. so much of the time so then how do you how do you not burn out i think so for us at our school mm. and how do you keep your team from burning out i think so we have regular debriefs so every day we have a debrief so it's like a staff meeting but we just talk about what happened in the day and we can kind of um download anything that that mm -hmm. we have happening and we kind of just share that, especially like it's good at the end of the day just to say everything so that when we go home, we're not bringing that stuff home. 
So we just kind of share it. So every day we're kind of getting everything off of our chest. If there's a student that we know is um, triggering us at the time, we'll just kind of highlight that, say this student is, is acting like this. Um, it's driving me a bit crazy. Can I get a youth worker to check in on them tomorrow? And then you get somebody else to check in on them or you'll have like the staff support. So it's having all the staff support each other and making sure that we all know that we're all there together as a team. So sometimes in a staff meeting, you'll in the debrief meetings, you'll have a staff member cry because they'll be so upset about something. It's like, okay, well, tomorrow I'm going to make sure that I help you in that way of this thing that bothered you. I'm going to check in on that student. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. And we kind of create strategies moving forward so that we don't burn out because burnout is going to happen. But if you know that you're in a supportive and safe environment within the staff team, you're mm-hmm. going to have a lot less burnout because you're all going to be there for each other. You're going to know that somebody else has your back and will help you when you need help. We tried some, I, I love that idea because th- just having the open communication and every single day and having the mm. debrief, yeah, that is a fantastic strategy. Mm. One strategy that we had was the goat bowl. Mm, what's that? Well, at the beginning of the year, everybody was given a goat a little pewter goat Mm -hmm. in a purple, in a small purple satchel. Mm -hmm. And during the week, if somebody got your goat or something got your goat, Mm. you put it in the bowl. Mm -hmm. Everybody had to have their goats at the Monday meeting. Mm -hmm. So by Monday, you should have been, should have gotten over it. Yeah. And so by Monday, in order for you to get your goat, out of the bowl, you had to confess who or what got your goat. Oh, that's so funny. And so sometimes it was another staff member. Sometimes it was a kid. Sometimes it was just something that happened that was triggered by something else. And so it was, you know, there was some laughter that went with it. But Mm -hmm. um, that was just the way we did it. We didn't have the daily debrief because we would start work at 7.30. And once we got there, as soon as a kid came in, we were all on the floor. Mm. We didn't have any breaks during the day because we were constantly monitoring all the students all the way up until four o'clock. Mm-hmm. So that made for a very long day. Yeah. And so people were pretty much done. Yeah. And um, if they could get out, then they did because people wanted to just... <sighs> Yeah, 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 for sure. And um, it's a so, really long but day. It is, but I think your idea is that's fantastic, and you have the you have the other workers there too, right? Yeah, everybody's there. Everybody's there. all the teachers, the youth workers, the education assistants, admin. Everybody's there because we're all a team, and that's the mm-hmm. main thing is having that team mindset. It doesn't matter if you're admin or I'm the deputy principal, youth worker. We're all the same. We're all the same. We're all on the same team. We're all here to help each other. We're all here to support each other. We're all here to, to have each other's back, basically. So do, that's just how do you have goes. the so are the social workers and the psychologists in on that meeting too? Yeah, yeah. So social workers are the youth workers. We call them youth workers. Okay. And the psychologist comes twice a week. Um, then we have a literacy support officer twice a week. And then if they're there, they'll be in on that meeting as well. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. And then how does one manage or consider the carers at home? like the guardians, the parents, whoever it is, um, to help develop a better system, even if they are contrary to participating in any counseling, remediation, or therapeutic activities? 
What do you do with what do I, you do with that? I mean, the main thing is open communication. So we talk to the parents regularly, especially for the students who have um, higher needs. So if they're if they're more anxious and they're constantly having um, different anxiety things, we'll talk to the parents and, and tell them about that. Or if they're having outbursts, we'll talk to the parents about that. So it's just having those, or the carers, I should say carers, because it could be Nan, it could be somebody else, right? So yeah. it, it's talking to the carers regularly and being open with them so that nothing's a surprise. So just letting them know how they're going in the program. And then at one time we might need a meeting because, you know, Billy punched the wall and put a hole in it. You know what I mean? So we're going to have to have a meeting and then say, we can't have that. You know, he's going to have to have a break for a day or whatever. We call them breaks. You know, they're, they're not suspensions. They're just little breaks. But just to cool down, to have a cool down, cool off for the day, come back the next day and that type of thing. So it's just having that regular communication. How do we get them on board? We have to teach the parents and the carers, tell them the expectations as well. And so we're very clear in the enrollment process what our expectations are. We're very clear throughout what the expectations are. We're very clear that it's a safe environment and that this is what we do. And this is the the place that we have, and they're they're on board. They we always welcome carers and parents to come in. So, you know, we have their foyer, and they come in and they say hi, how's it going? And we ha we have parent teacher nights, and we make it really fun for them, and, and we like to get them involved. And so it's always nice to have them feel as though they can come anytime and have a chat with us whenever they want as well. And so it's just having that open environment and that good communication with them. Um, whether or not the strategies can be put in place at home because the strategies will often be different in a school environment because there's going to be like a group of 15 mm -hmm. students in a class, which is different than at home because they'll have their own room. Maybe they have their own room. Maybe they share a room, maybe not, but it's going to be a very different environment. So having strategies um, might look different. Sometimes they might look similar, um, but it's just talking to the parents and seeing what, what they find works because sometimes Students will have external support psychologically, and then the parents will kind of say, this is what their psychologist said was a good strategy. Maybe we can implement that at the school, things like that. So it's just kind of mm -hmm. knowing knowing that stuff. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow. So what are some of the best ways that you do develop a case management, a crisis management plan <clears throat> in case something does happen with the student? Yeah, so crisis management plans are for students who are high needs. So <clears throat> if they do have um, aggressive outbursts that we know of beforehand, we'll have to have a crisis management plan. If they are students who have suicidal ideation, we have to have a crisis management plan and things like that. And so it's having to know that in the enrollment interview and with their carers, with the psychologist, and those things will get flagged that um, the student is feeling this way. So we're gonna have to have a management plan to manage um, those things. So we develop it with a youth worker, with a psychologist and with myself, we'll kind of put something in place and then we'll liaise with the carer as well to say, these are the strategies that are going to happen. So for example, for some students, if they have um, aggressive outbursts, it might be like, we're gonna reduce and modify their timetable. So you're gonna come into school, you're gonna do your work for two hours, and then you're gonna go home. Because we know that at lunchtime, you get really angry and you wanna punch Billy in the face. So that's not gonna happen. We're gonna make sure that that doesn't happen because if that happens, we will have to exit students and then adapt and do other modified types of programs for them, but they can't be with other students if they're gonna have those aggressive outbursts. So. Right. We try to put those things in place. If they have 
suicidal ideation. Then we have to have a management plan for when they go to the bathroom or when they're doing this or that. They have to have certain check-ins with different staff members at all times. So we know where they are, where, where they're at. So that's kind of basically how it works. It's just a few key staff members putting it together, talking to the carers, talking to the students, making sure everybody is on the same page, and then telling the key staff um, just the basic ideas. They can't know specific um, uh, details necessarily about their psychological right. things, but they have to know certain things where if they go to the bathroom, we need to know where they're at and we need to make sure that it's not longer than this amount of time or blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Great. And then how do you teach a student or let's say graduate a student from compliance to understanding? Yeah. So a student is compliant and they follow the directions, but it's not necessarily because they understand it. They just know that that's the way that they have to do it. And that's the way things are done, but they don't really get it. Yeah. I think that, um, I mean, I think that eventually they will get, it. I think compliance is, is a big thing though. That's a big part of if they are actually compliant to what they need to be doing. I think that's a really good step because sometimes students don't want to be compliant. So I think that's good. If they can be compliant and they say, yep, I'll do it. I'll do it because I have to, because you said it's important. Um, and then it's just teaching, being really open. So when you have those open relationships, you teach the students the why behind everything. Well, why is it like this? Why do we do it this way? Why are we having this? And it's just having those open, the open communication is key for everything. Open communication with staff, with carers, with students, just letting everyone know why we do the things that we do. And you have to have a why. Why is there a rule about that? Well, there's, there should be a reason. There has to be a reason mm -hmm. for everything that we do. Otherwise, it doesn't make any sense. And so I think them knowing the why will then give them the understanding um, and then that will help them in that way as well. Do you ever use those as teachable moments with the group? 100%. Everything's a teachable moment. These are all teachable moments because you when, a lot. the best type of teaching is going to happen naturally sporadically in those moments of them saying well why why do i have to do that and they say well because of this and because of that and because this leads to this and that leads to that and then they're like oh really does it and you're like yeah it does and then you can go on and off a tangent and, and share stories of different things and mm -hmm. and those are the teachable moments that are really important and really valuable and also build relationships yeah 100 percent. relationships are number one number one thing in life Everything. is relationship Everything exactly. goes back to relationships. Mm -hmm. So I'm starting to feel bad for poor Billy because he punched a hole in the wall, had a day <laughs> off, and now he can't. Somebody has to leave at lunch because they're going to punch him in the face. Um, mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it happens sometimes, yeah. Um, his poor Nan. Um, mm. So what do you, you mentioned this earlier. What are some of the alternatives to detention, expulsion, and suspension? Yeah. So, and so that you don't make so because here they shoot you off to another school mm -hmm. or they do something. And then that's the alternative is another form of education. Mm -hmm. But and in some states here, they put you into another school where everybody is like it's the naughty group. Mm. So, and then you're, you serve your time there. So it's like a mini prison. And well, then when you kind of what my last and, school was like, and that's very much what our school is. Alternative education is pretty much like that in Australia, where we're taking the students that don't go to mainstream for 
specific reasons. Hmm. Okay, because here in Oregon, in Washington, I believe in California, there's several states, hmm. students can, if, if you are expelled or suspended, you have some options. And they have to make some options for you. Maybe it's maybe it's tutoring. Mm. Um, yeah. Or but you can let's say that I don't want to go to a high school that has thirty five hundred kids in it. Yeah. And there's an and there's an alternative school that has seventy or eighty students yeah. in it. Yeah. I will go to that school yeah. because it's much smaller. The relationships, yeah. blah blah blah. But I still get a good education. They can work mm -hmm. with me. They can remediate me if I need to, or mm -hmm. I can excel and yeah. maybe graduate early, or they have other options that will take me through. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So in mainstream, are you talking about like mainstream expulsion or alternative education expulsion and suspension? Because those are two different things. Because there's different ways that mainstream will handle it, and there's ways that alternative education schools will handle it. Because mainstream well, will have, depending on their situation and how many staff members they have, they're going to have different options, like support student support services and different centers within mm -hmm. it. So instead of expelling students, they'll be able to come to the student support center and work with, um, like one on one with with the support staff there. You know so sort I mean? of sort of like a program that would be tantamount to something that we used to have, which was an alternative to expulsion, where the kids would come in two, three times a week, mm -hmm. work one on one with the teacher and then leave. Yeah. And then at Mainstream the end of that time, they yeah. could still have their credits. Yeah. Yeah. So they wouldn't so, fall too far behind. And that's in a mainstream setting, but in an alternative education setting. So if they do get expelled, Sometimes they mm -hmm. do come to alternative education. Or like you said, some students actually will pull themselves out and go to alternative settings because they know that they don't want to be in a school with 3,500 students, like you said. They want to go to a smaller school. So they'll come to us and they'll just, they'll choose to come to us in that way. And then the main, the thing is at this school, if then they do have an outburst and they do punch a wall, punch a student, do something like that, well, that's unsafe for everybody. So what happens then? What happens then is that they don't come to school during the school hours. They have options to come after school hours for an hour and do some work there. They can still be hooked up with the psychologist, the youth workers with that support. They can get transitioned into work. We also have a program where we have teachers who drive vans to students' houses and do one-on-one -on -one tutoring to support their education in that way. So if they can't actually be part of a group dynamic, because of their aggressive behavior, they will get offered different educational options in that way, different one-on-one -on -one options. And those can be options for them until maybe they can learn some skills and, and um, go back to a group or then they finish their, their degree one-on-one -on -one, and then they decide to go into work or into a different training program for um, more specific vocational training. So in other words, if a student is suspended or expelled, you're still there to hold on to them. hundred percent. That's what we so do. I remember nestlings just moved to another nest where they're 100%. sort of taken care of. That's exactly what happened. We have, I remember coming into this school and when I became deputy principal, students are always trying to test the deputy principal and do all this stuff. And one of the students um, had already done quite a few um, 
she, she had already broken the rules quite a few times. So anyways, the, the, I came in a week, a week into it. She ended up throwing something at the principal's head and she ended up getting exited. So we were like, you know what? We, we just, we can't have you at school. You can't be throwing things at the principal's head. You can't be, you know, vaping in the main area and all this type of stuff that she was doing. We're like, we just, we just can't have it. So then she came and she, um, she's still hooked up with the youth worker and she's still hooked up with different things. And she came and every time she comes and she sees the youth worker and she sees a psychologist and she'll come and do this and that. We say, hi, welcome. And she even came to parent teacher night. She came with her boyfriend's parents to parent teacher night and we welcomed her and we gave her food and we're like how's it going how are you going with this program that she because we transitioned her to another program and she knew that she can still come back it wasn't like she was worried that we don't like her anymore no we still like you it has nothing to do with that it's just that you can't be throwing things at people's heads we, we just can't have that you know but you're always welcome right. to come back at these times for these <laughs> things we're always going to be there and we're always going to be here to support you and that's the main thing yeah, throwing arms are meant for outside. Yes. <laughs> and not at people. Not at right, people. exactly. <laughs> we covered an incredible amount, didn't we? We did. We did indeed. So what I'm taking away is, number one, communication. Yes. After communication, it's about relationships, because without communication, you can't have relationships. Yeah, that's right. And everything else falls and emotional regulation. So you need to be regulated. What's the best way for your for your staff to stay regulated, though? I mean, you have your after school meetings, mm -hmm. but that's not to say that staff. No, everyone's got their own personal lives and their own personal problems and their own trauma backgrounds and things like mm -hmm. that. People have their own things. But I think the main thing is is that you need to be aware of yourself. You need to be self-aware. You need to know what you need to be working on in your being. You need to be centered and understand yourself and understand why you want to work in alternative education. When you come in in the morning, are you happy to be there? Is this the best place that, that you could possibly think of? Is this the best job that you ever had? When I go to work, I think this is the best job I've ever had. And that's my mindset. And if that isn't your mindset, then what, what is it that you're doing here, really? Because you really have to know your why and know why you're coming to school. And if you know your why and you understand your why and you understand your being, it's going to help you remain calm and help you to be regulated and help you to work through the issues that you need to work through so that you can put your best foot forward each and every day. Mm -hmm. do, you, do you do school-wide activities? Like, let's say, a field day? Do you do yeah. something like maybe because I know that you're you're very British in a sense down there. Um, do you play cricket games, cricket matches against each other or soccer yeah. or rugby? Yeah, or... we do basketball. We do it. Uh, so within my school, just our school, we do afternoon activities. So we'll do basketball games and we'll do like the, those types of things. Mm -hmm. Yes, volleyball, cricket. Uh, it depends on who's into cricket. Not, not as many people are, but Australians right. do love their cricket. But basketball is always a popular one. It's a really easy one. Even if you don't have any skill, you can just pick up a ball, start to bounce it and figure out right. how to shoot it in the hoop. So we do do basketball quite a bit. Um, bike riding, um, volleyball, I think I mentioned soccer, like all those different types of things. We do those things. And then we do have our school meets the other schools because my organization has a few different schools, right? And so okay. we meet with other schools and then we connect together and we try to build those positive peer relationships and have different um, special days um, where mm -hmm. we all get together as, as a larger school head organization together. 
Do you do anything with community service? We do do. We do some volunteering. It depends. It goes back and forth with what the students' interests are. Um, we have volunteered in different um, homeless organizations, um, sometimes in the child care. But it, we just take groups, smaller groups of students who are interested in that, and we take mm -hmm. them out to do that. Okay. My last program, the students were required to perform at least five hours per quarter. Oh, wow. So if they belong to a church, they could do it there. Um, yeah. We had Meals on Wheels. We had mm -hmm. some other private nonprofits that wanted to have some work done. Um, mm -hmm. Medical Teams International would always avail themselves to our students. And so we would try to help them do that. We did adopt a highway and that helped take care of it. Yeah. Um, but just different things for it because we felt that it was important that since the community did so much for our organization that we needed to give back. Yeah. And, and it was good for the students to do the same thing. Yeah. So, um, I was just wondering if you had the same sort of. No, we don't specifically have any sort of requirement for them, but it just kind of goes mm -hmm. on student interest and, and, and things like that. So just, it varies okay. from, from year to year. Okay. And then you also mentioned something about your schedule where you might have two periods during the day, then lunch, and then the afternoon might be mm -hmm. some sort of creativity, some yeah. sort of activity, something yeah. else that was yep. less academic focused, but yeah. it was an outlet um, where the students could let go of some kind of energy, whether it was yeah. mental or physical. Yep. yep. Is that... Could yes, you that's... elaborate on that just a wee bit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we do afternoon activities. So every afternoon we don't focus on academics, but we do have different options. So there's like a science option, for example, or um, a sewing option. So there might be like some home economic type of things, cooking, some cooking, um, some, it can be just a game that they want to play. And then there, there's, we always take a group off campus as well. So that's where we go off to do basketball or to go to do volleyball, to go bike riding or to do something um, more active for the students who really want to get their energy out. But other students might want to sit around and do some art, some sewing, some cooking, some things like that. So we'll have those different things. And each teacher kind of runs what they're interested in. And then they do it that way. And students really enjoy that. It builds a lot of peer relationships. Then you can see students from other classes because students um, stay in their own classroom for the first two periods. And then the, the last period will be all the different classes mixing up according to which activity they want to choose. Um, and then they can meet other students in that way as well. Wow. And that's every day. Every day. Yep. And it's a lot of fun. And I think fun is uh, important part of life. And so we've got to teach students how to have mm -hmm. fun and teach students um, just general life skills as well, cooking and sewing and um, and just even just, just things like that. Just teach them lots of different things. Let them play basketball if they want to play basketball. Let them have fun. And so we have those options for them. Because they might otherwise not be able to do those things. Yeah, exactly. exactly. So important stuff. Yeah. Jennifer, I am so grateful that you are able to do this with us mm. and that you joined us and that you gave us so much information mm. because happy to be here. I have learned so much. I have been affirmed <laughs> and there's just, there is there. I want to work for you. <laughs> oh, you're so funny. I'm going to, I'm going to book my ticket. 
Yeah. <laughs> Come and be a teacher at my school. <laughs> <laughs> I'll bring my dogs. Yes. So, um, no, thank you so very much. And it's Thanks been so incredibly helpful. Mm, and good. I do want to say that that the books that we are, that I developed my questions from and that we've been working from are both by Dr. Judith A. Howard and Trauma-Aware Education. And the other one is... Distressed or Deliberately Defiant. That's it. And I put the links down there in the show notes. And I... I can't tell you how grateful I am to you. So, and I hope to have you back at some point. I would love and to be back again. Thank you so very, very much. <laughs> Always okay. a pleasure. Thanks for having me, Tony. You're welcome. Communication, relationships, giving students time to express themselves through activities, through art, and making them part of the process. Also having daily meetings. Think about all the tips that she gave us for working in a trauma-aware setting where the students prosper, the staff prospers, and there is just an overwhelming feeling of goodwill for everyone. So thank you, Jennifer. And I have her contact information in the show notes below, as well as the books. So thank you all for joining us. Have a wonderful week, and we will see you soon. Make sure that you subscribe. Make sure that you share. We'll talk to you later. Bye-bye.